And now it is my pleasure to introduce to you our speaker today, Reverend Carmian Owen. Reverend Carmian is a spiritual encourager, messenger, author, and minister. In 2009, he studied as a licensed prayer practitioner at CSL Edmonton here with Dr. Patrick. He then spent three years flying each month to Kelowna, BC to become a minister with the spiritual leader of Centers for Spiritual Living. Dr. Ken Gordon was his teacher there. And not done with enjoying airplane seating, he was then called by his I Am Presence to spend another two years flying to Saskatoon most weekends to serve as the spiritual director of CSL Saskatoon. Carmian is now enjoying freedom from airplane travel for a while and relentlessly devoted to the non-judgmental and unconditional observation of unity for all. He is now called to live the art of heart and encourage people in their spiritual journey in training their spiritual mind to be the master of their ego mind. Please help me welcome Reverend Carmian. Wow, good to be back home. Wow, okay, so I'm going to kick us off with an affirmative prayer, spiritual mind treatment. So the law of attraction and synchronicity led you here. And this being a free will universe, you are invited to accept these words of the I am presence as your own. Father, mother, life. All that is my I am presence. You are my constant support, my health, my love, my life, my joy. And what I know in this moment is that there is a quickening of that I am presence. See, what I know in this moment is that there is an elevation of the frequency of love. There is a consciousness that through its intention is elevating and activating such power of love. In this place, there is a clarity, there is a cleansing, there is an elevation, there is a joy. There is an education, there is an encouragement. I know all of this and more is so, for I know that the I am presence through me and the I am presence through everyone gathered here have joined in a perfectly ordained divine moment to quicken through each other, to remember who and whose we are. Whose we are. See, I know I am an individualization of Father, mother, life. See, I know I am a being of love on this journey to remember where I have come from and where I am going and where I am going through the activity of my thought and intention is into that field of love, remembering that which I've forgotten and through the forgetting, cultivating those divine qualities so that I might be of more use to that, all that is, so that I might be as a vessel prepared to be a human angel. And I know that each of us gathered here, or human angels in training, are coming for the purpose of remembering through consciousness love, our royalty. For this is what we are. We are royalty incarnated so that we might remember who and whose we are. And so with joy and with gratitude, I remember how beloved I am. How beloved I am. How beloved I am. And I invite you to join with me in the release and the claiming of this by saying, and so it is. All right, who's ready for some spiritual encouragement? Yeah? So can I hear a yes? And I'm going to ask you again, 
but I'm going to invite you to say yes. The reason why this is a free will universe, and it's not just your thought, it's also your word and your action. So who's ready for some spiritual encouragement? There we go. You see, it's an interaction. And the I am presence within me, if there's anything that's happening that you're feeling uplifted by, inspired by, that's just a quickening of the I am presence in you. Don't think for a moment that there's this guy called Carmian that's really doing anything. The only thing that I take credit for, getting out of the way. And that's what this journey is about. That's what it's about. So I was in Kelowna last week. I got to go to, I, went to, I got on a plane again. I'm sure you can imagine how exciting that was for me. Because um, those WestJet seats, man, they're like, oh yeah. There's a little two by two seaters, man, they're tiny. And two years, just five, actually, no, five, six years. So I go to Kelowna for the Canadian Newfort Conference. And if I'm imagining many of you haven't been to one of these spiritual conferences, it's like going to service for the whole weekend. There's amazing music, there's amazing messages, and they brought speakers from all over North America. And you know, on the, on the opening night, I had the privilege and the honor of being asked to deliver the opening spiritual mind treatment, right? So this is like the opening ceremony, and they've got the, each, they have this beautiful ceremony where each of the main speakers walks down this amphitheater, these steep stairs in the dark, with their quotes, reading them out, and their phone over their quote, going down the stairs and reading out this inspirational quote. No one tripped, it was fantastic. But they came down one by one, and then they lined up in front of the stage. And then my teacher, Dr. Ken Gordon, and Dr. Deb Gordon, they came out and they did the final quotes, and then I came out and they did this opening prayer. And as you felt, as you tasted a little bit of what I just expressed, what the I am presence in me expressed in that prayer there, I had about 300 people in, the, in this auditorium, and I was, I was lifted even more. And it was very inspiring, and I felt very inspired. And I just, this prayer, this, this treatment was unleashed through me, and it was wonderful. There was cheers, and it was just beautiful. And as I was, at the end of the evening, it was we were going into this sort of like mingling and fellowship, people were coming up to me, and they were saying, wow, I loved your prayer. I loved your prayer. Like, it was so inspiring. And to each person, I, I said something that ran along these lines. See, it wasn't my prayer. And they stopped. What do you mean, it wasn't your prayer? I said, see, what was happening was, you might have heard my voice, but what's actually happening is, the I am presence in me was using my voice, and what you felt was the quickening of your I am presence. And now, see, this is important, because the science of mind, it's very beautiful for getting us from that ego consciousness into power consciousness, or creation consciousness, but unless you're careful, if you focus on thinking it's you, then you focus on the self, then you feed the ego drive, and the next thing you know, you're focused on using God like a Pez dispenser. Oh, I'm going to use a prayer to manifest this. I'm going to use a prayer to manifest that. I've been down that road, and I hit a wall. And what happened was I got dragged through that wall <laughs> into the wisdom of God, or co-creation consciousness. So I say that not as any self-depreciation. It's not like a deflection that I'm not willing to receive, because I do receive it. But it's a clarity that I have that there is something magnificent that is unfolding in every moment with every thought that I have. And I'm saying that just to remind myself. And it was interesting. So anything I say today is my I am presence. And you feel it, if you feel inspired in any way, well, and that's just the quickening of your I am, I am presence. And I celebrate that. So, I'm going to do a quick poll. You heard in my bio that uh, I, I walked through the doors in 2006. How many of you here have been in a class with me or served alongside me? Wow, so most of you don't know me, okay? Now, you may have seen me for the last couple of months, uh, because after I got done with my tour of duty in Saskatoon, 
I, I was called back to be here and I go sit in the back corner and I'm meditating, I'm holding the space. I am calling, invoking the I am presence through me to elevate the frequency of love here. That's what I'm doing. It's not idle work. It's known as, it's sometimes called holding the high watch. So as far as I'm concerned, that's a part of my calling, a part of my ministry. But my journey, my metaphysical journey, I suppose the second chapter of my life, starts in about 1996. And in 1996, I bump into metaphysical teachings. I'm wandering around the world, and I really get to that place where you might have heard the dark night of the soul. You know, I'm in a place of despair. Anyone ever had a real place of despair, a real experience of like, oh my God, there's got to be something better than this. You know, you're either pulled into this teaching by desperation, or so pushed into this teaching by desperation, or pulled in by inspiration. Okay, so in 1996, 1997, about 20 years ago, I suddenly realized there's got to be something more than this. And I went on this metaphysical journey, and I was doing all sorts of different modalities and energy work. And it wasn't until 2006 that I walked through those doors. And it was the Sunday, and it was in April in 2006, I had just cremated my mother. I'd gone back to England. I just cremated her. And I'd come back, and I'd heard about this place. And, you know, it was suggested I come here. And I walked in, and I really resonated with the message. Because for the first time, what I really heard was someone, it was actually Dr. Patrick was standing up and he was saying, see, the power is within you. The power is within you to do whatever it is you want. And I heard that message and it resonated with me. Has anyone here because of a similar kind of message you heard? Yeah, right? So just like you, I walked in. And so what happened then was I started to eat it up. I was like, oh, this is really exciting. And I started to learn about the science of mind, this book that Ernest Holmes had written. And then I heard this classes. I don't, know if, I don't know if you haven't done a class here, really, you, you sit down for eight or ten weeks and you study like a book or a particular structure of curriculum and you're learning about tools, spiritual tools. You're learning about the truth of who you are. You're learning about the power of your word. And so the first class that I took was, and some of you may know this class, some of you may have taken it, Thomas Troward, the Edinburgh Lectures. Okay? Those of you who haven't taken that class, all right, um, this was... Ernest Holmes, the, found, the writer of, uh, he, he was the author of The Science of Mind, he, it's regarded that he had three main influences. Thomas Troward, Quimby, and Emerson. But Troward, what Troward gave him was logic. See, Emerson gave him the nature, and Quim, Quimby gave him the healing. Okay? He took really core cool elements to pull this together. And Troward gave him the logic. What, this, he was a British judge in the, in the British civil service in India, and he was really connecting with the mysticism over in India, and he was a natural for it. And what he worked out was how to explain the logical process of healing, of prayer, of your power. And of course, so here I am, this relatively young man showing up. And I was really in my head. And so what I was doing, I was eating this up. But at the same time, it, it wasn't, I wasn't oblivious to the fact that not everyone was eating this up. There were people in the room that were perhaps more heart-centered that were like, ooh, you know, I got to that 256-word sentence in the first chapter. 256, I counted it, 256 word sentence, and I went, ooh. But it was perfect for me, because that's where I was. And that's the, one, a real important part of this journey. You've got to start from where you're at. So then I, I've completed this first class, and then I'm, I'm voracious. I'm taking class after class. And at the time, I'm on this sort of like treadmill just to take another class. But in the third class of that first one, I do remember looking at the minister and filling the calling and realizing I should be doing that. I remember practitioners coming up to be celebrated for their licensing and someone nudging me going, you should do that. So I was getting all these signs going, you should do that. And so I listened to that and I felt that calling. And so I went from class to class 
And I remember I started practitioner in 2009, and a longtime member came up to me and they said, thank you, Carmian, for your lifetime commitment as a practitioner. And it really struck me. Thank you for your lifetime commitment, because that's what I realized I was actually doing. And I am presence in this person was showing up to the I am presence in mine and saying, you're engaging in a lifetime commitment to live and embody the power of your word and of love and of light. How do you feel about that? Are you ready? And I was. And I worked through that. And I remember going, we did the, the, you know, the year and a half, the exam. I remember going through the panel. I remember the panel saying to me, you've passed. I remember bursting into tears. Oh. And then I remember then going, the, the organization at that time, those of you who are new, you might not know, the Centers for Spiritual Living, we're, we're, we're an organization of oneness, right? Well, we used to be two organizations. And so we went through a merger, and it's actually unprecedented. There's, I'm not aware of any other religious organizations where two of them have come together and emerged. And in 2012, that happens. Now, as a result, because they were getting ready for that merger, they knew it was coming, it's sort of like they were saying, okay, we're not going to have lots and lots of ministerial classes. We're going to slow it down. And the one that was being offered was in Kelowna by Dr. Ken Gordon, the spiritual leader of the organization. So it's like I was thinking, yeah, I can go study with a pope. You know, it's like our pope, right? He's our leader. So, okay, let's go study with a pope. And it was a beautiful three years, but it required me once a month to get on a plane. Most times, sometimes I drove and fly to Kelowna. And so began the journey. And it was very, very powerful. But I know I was still in the head, right? And so I worked through that. And over those three years, and it was actually the first time that it used to be two years for ministerial studies. And then we, they upped it to three years. And it was, it broke me open in so many ways. And I was sort of learning how to speak and I got to do some, I got to, you know, learn a lot about myself as a result. And then I get done with that and I'm thinking about what do I want to do and, and what's my calling going to be and I'm trying to put together a plan and I'm in my head still. And I get a phone call. And that phone call is the director in the board of trustees at CSL Saskatoon. And she asks me, would you consider being our spiritual director? And, you know, my first answer was no. And the reason why is because at the time, I had an eight-year-old daughter. She's now 10 years old, so I get to be a father. So happy Father's Day, everyone. I, I realized I didn't want to abandon my daughter in Edmonton. And there was lots more that was going on, but as I, it wouldn't leave me. And so I meditated about it, and, and I said, well, let me, let me think on it. And I said, because I realized that you know, they, they were really looking for someone, and, and I'd been approached for a reason. I felt the call, and I suddenly had this idea of meditation. Well, I could fly. And so I got, I figured, well, I flew to Kelowna for three years. I can fly to Saskatoon. And so I work out if it's possible. And I'd fly in on the Friday night, fly back on the Sunday evening. And I spent two years doing this. Now, when I went there, it was very interesting because, you know, you go, you know what you go through school for? You know, when you go through school and you learn theoretical knowledge, you know, you learn little theory, it's not the same as actually going in and doing it, right? And I remember one of my mentors uh, said to me, he said, being the senior minister, being the spiritual director, it's like being put on a rack. You're slowly stretched and stretched and stretched. And what will happen is, is people will bring their stuff to you. And so as I showed up, I've showed up in a community where the average attendance has dropped down to five on a Sunday. They've diminished. They haven't had a senior, a spiritual director for a year and a half. Um, they have had an experience where they had an authoritarian leader if you're familiar with spirodynamics, the blue, but at the shadow side of it. And there was a lot of command and control. And so what had happened was I came into this environment where there was a lot of wounds. There are a lot of people who were really hurt. When you come into spiritual community and you experience the shadow, the ego mind, 
and it, it, it sort of builds its own intensity, it can be a tough teacher. And so I walked into this environment as the newcomer, and I spent the first year being filled by these wounds, being filled by this pain, and realizing that what was actually happening was I had, I had attracted this experience of people being abandoned, and that came to mean a lot to me a little later on. I'm, kind of, kind of come, I'm going to come back to why I'd attracted that experience. That was the first year, and then with a year to get with, after that first year, I said to the board, look, I, I, this is going to get old, like flying every week indefinitely, like, mm, I don't know how long I'm going to be able to do this, so I can do another year. And they were like, okay. And so what happened though was going through that second year, I really started to learn about forgiveness. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is really about loving through the conditions and the appearances to the truth of the matter. Forgiveness is about facing and surfacing the emotion that may be within you then translating and understanding what's going on, and then rebuilding your boundaries and your understanding of, of what actually you should be doing, what you should be believing, establishing the new beliefs, and then evolving. Anger, translate, orientate, new belief, evolve. So I even came up with a five-step process for forgiveness. But a five-step prayer, but my I am presence said, here's a five-step atone process for forgiveness. And so I thought I was then spending that second year to teach about forgiveness. But what actually happened was, I realized I was there to learn about forgiveness. I was there to learn. In fact, there's two people from Saskatoon. There's Maxine and Ray. Ray was the president. I was staying with these guys for nearly two years. I know these beloveds really, really well. And I'm so glad that you can be here. So I found in that second year, I got to learn about forgiveness. That's why I was there. And then I realized, oh, I was attracting this experience to break my heart open. Because I'd been learning about the science of mind. And what I'd realized, I would speak to different people who had been into these teachings and had left, and some people would say, oh, it feels like it's a little dead, or, you know, I hit a wall, I hit somewhere in this, I wanted to go a little bit further, but there was just nothing there for me, and so I started to search, and I realized, hmm, see, the science of mind, it's amazing, but it's not God at all, because what I felt was missing was the heart, and that's why in my bio I talk about the art of heart. Because what I realized, even Ernest Holmes was reputed to have said at the end of his life, if there was one regret that he had, is that he spent his life mastering the understanding of the law, but maybe he could have delved a bit more into love. And you see, that's where it's at. The path of knowledge, such as the science of mind, is similar to the path of knowledge, such as Buddhism. And you can only go so far with your mind, with your intellect. You need to open your heart. And so this is what I spent that year doing, that year and a half. And boy, did I open my heart. So then, March 29th, I, this March 29th, that morning on a Sunday, I'm doing my prayers, my meditation, my, and I'm working through affirmations. And the practice at the time I'm using is each day I would write a rule of happiness. And the rule of happiness would be an affirmation for the day. And so what I wrote that day was, I willingly bring my final fears to the light of oneness. I willingly bring my final fears to the light of oneness of oneness. Little did I know how powerful that would turn out to be. So I walk through the doors here after that and I realize I'm called to come back here, to come back to what was my spiritual home. And so if you've seen me for the last couple of months and I'm sitting in the back corner there, what I'm doing is I'm meditating, I'm holding the high watch, I'm invoking the I am presence through me to elevate the vibrational frequency of love. And I'm visualizing rays of light, of color, emanating through me, flooding the chamber. I am looking at every person and, and knowing that we are one heart, 
and elevating. I'm consciously in that space of sacred heart service every time that I'm here. So I'm co-creating. I'm a part of that. It's selfless. It's loving. And so I realized that's what I'm being called to. I read a, an email to Dr. Patrick saying, hi, I'm back. And if you see me in the corner, that's what I'm doing. And he was like, great. And so Patrick and I, we started to meet. But when I came back from that service that Sunday, I've got a, a message. And the message has come through Facebook. And it's from someone called Tina, who I don't know. And she says, hi, Carmian. Um, this may seem a little bit out of left field, but you were born in Nottingham. So I was born in Nottingham, England. You may have noticed I have a different accent. I'm one of the merry men born in Nottingham, right? So I love that line. One of the merry men. It's great. Don't want to be Robin Hood. I want to be one of the merry men. And you went to school in Ashford, Kent, and it seems like too much of a coincidence, but I'm the partner of Roger Owen, and he thinks he's your father. Now, to give you context, see, my father, I spent 20 years of my metaphysical journey in many meditation, many workshops, spiritual workshops, doing father work, because I had no father. As far as I'm concerned, I've been abandoned by my father. And so I get this message, and of course, I start, I lose it. I start to cry. I'm like, I know straight away, yeah, this is my father, I have no doubts. My I am present says, oh yes. And so I reply and I said, you know, yep, that, I, I feel that, yeah, I'm going to email him. And so I email him. And so we share some emails and we begin to get to know each other. Even when I'm reading his words, those of you who are writers, or even if you're a voracious reader, you know you'll, you'll read different authors and you'll hear their voice. Right? There's a certain style, there's a voice that comes through writing. And I've spent a lot of time writing, and so I'm reading his words, and I'm hearing my voice. We've got a very similar voice. Turns out that for 38 years, he's suddenly gone all spiritual. You see, when I was a little boy, and he, he was a heroin addict, he was beating up my mother, he was in a very bad place. My mother left him when I was two, although I thought it was four, but it was two, it turns out. He then went and married again and had a couple of other children. And then he met his partner and found spirituality. And he spent 30 years on that. So I'm now having a chat with someone who's a, a, dev a devotee of Swami Babaji, all right, and who has a voice similar to mine. And I'm thinking, wow, not just shared DNA. This is fascinating. I'm hearing his voice. And I see him and he's like, uh, if you ever read the Tintin comments, he looks like the professor. He's got the shocks of hair, you know, straight hair like this. And he's, he looks vibrant. And as we start to communicate, he says to me, you know, as we start to realize that, you know, what we want to share, he said to me, there's not much that, that I really can say to you because 44 years I've been out of your life. Um, but I do want to share one memory that really stands out. I remember you were about two or three months old, and I had just gotten out of prison. Now, he had been put into prison for dealing cannabis, okay, marijuana. And even though that's supposedly going to be legalized at some point, at that point, it wasn't legal to deal. So he was having this life, right? And he said to the judge, he said, well, you know, I'm about to have a newborn child. And the judge said, well, that's the reason why I'm only going to give you three months rather than three years. So even then, I've done my father a solid, right? So like big solid, like, you know, uh, 29 months or, you know, 30, 30, 35 or 33 months less. But he's taken me, he's come out of prison and he's got me in his arms and he's, he's showing me the bed he's just made for me. And he says to me, I love you. I love you. 
And he said, that's the message I want to share with you. Anyway, so I'm reading that and I lose it. Right? I just start to bawl because in my mind, a memory comes up. I wrote a book about four years ago. And this started because I was doing an online blog. And in the end, the publisher approached me and said, oh, you know, you should turn this into a book. And so I did. And here's the last entry that I wrote. And I want you to remember that bedroom scene, right? So I wrote this. I was, uh, this was called Getting Father's Day, and it was written on June 16, 2013. After a weekend in Kelowna, so I'm in ministerial studies, and spending six and a half hours taking my ministerial exam, six and a half hours. And I wasn't the fastest, by the way. There was someone like eight and a half hours in there. I was struck by a powerful realization and deep sense of love about my father. I suspect I was triggered by all the loving, happy Father's Day Facebook messages. Whatever the cause, I wrote the following. Dear Dad, I didn't know you very well. You chose heroin over me and left my life when I was four years old. See, I didn't even know it was actually two. I met you once again when I was 14 and got to hear about the three children you had since had. Actually, turns out it was two. But that's what I believed. Today, I realize that meeting that 14-year-old must have stirred up so much pain for you. Reminders of your broken past, your shame. I feel such compassion for you, only able to imagine what it must be to peer into life through the filters of drugs and loneliness. Check this, at the empty bed I had left behind. So, 45 years later, I remember that moment. I didn't have an explicit memory, but I remember that I'd even written about it. So we get on the video conference with him, and I'm reading this to him. As you can imagine, it's a real, this is a real heartfelt moment. After 28 years, I can feel that. I forgive you, but more than that, I love you, Dad. You brought me into this world. We made a sacred soul agreement, you and I, and you saw to your end. You provided me with exactly the experiences I needed. I am becoming so much more than I sense you could have dreamed. I don't know if you are alive, but knowing there is one mind, I know these loving words reach you in some way. Happy Father's Day. It took me long enough, but I really feel love for you. May you know the love of all your children. For regardless of the choices of our history, there is the now. And in this now, I know such love for you. Happy Father's Day, Dad. So that's what I posted on Facebook, but I grabbed it, and there were a whole ton of likes and loves and comments. It obviously touched a few hearts, and I put it onto the blog, and this is what I added. And about two hours later, I walked through the door to be given a Father's Day gift, a picture of a super dad that was colored in by my daughter, my six-year-old daughter. Apparently, I am a superhero because I love her, and my superpower is love. How perfect is that? I love life. The perfection of spirit expressed through me and my daughter today cracked my heart wide open. So would you like to hear what I learned? Would you like to hear what I learned? There you go, you're getting it. Okay. So here's what I learned. I learned a few things. I got to discover that he believed my name was spelled C-A-R-M-I-A-N. But actually, I'd been spelling it I-E-N. So he told me he'd been searching for me, but couldn't find me. I wasn't coming up. When I was 14, he came to see me at the children's home I was in. And then a week later, the authorities approached him and asked him, well, what are you doing? 
why are you going to see Carmian? He's like, this is my son. And they're like, no, you can't do that. So the authorities chased him off. I didn't get to hear that he had had another son called Damien and another daughter called Jasmine. I didn't get to know my father. What I did was my ego mind spun this story that I'd been abandoned by my father. But that actually wasn't true. That was what my ego mind was telling me because it believes it's alone. It believes it's separate. It believes that it's created all this. It believes it's God. It's a God that is alone. And so what I realized was, no, I wasn't abandoned by my father. But then I realized something so much more important. You may, you may or may not relate to Jesus as a master teacher, as, a, as an example, not an exception. I know that for many, the Bible is a mixed bag. My personal belief, you don't have to look very far and dig very deep to realize that the New Testament as we know it was a document that was heavily edited. The Council of Nicaea in 325, Emperor Constantine, he was creating a political document and the Dead Sea Scrolls came along in 1949 to show that there was more of the teachings of Jesus than were being captured in the canonical, in the canon gospel. But there are nuggets of truth in there. And what I have heard Jesus talk about a lot is the Father. The Father will never abandon you. Seek first the kingdom, the kingdom of the Father. And that's what I realized, that my eager mind had loved the idea of telling me this story where I would somehow believe I was alone, I was abandoned. But my father had not been able to connect with me, but he'd never abandoned trying. And on that morning of March 29th, I have meditated two hours later. We, we talked about the timing of this. And he suddenly had an idea to search me again in a new search engine that he hadn't used before, DuckDuckGo. And suddenly my Facebook page comes up and Tina walks into the room and she sees my, my, my Facebook page and goes, that's Carmian. And he is in this place of, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Imagine how he must feel. Will I accept him? All that nervousness, all that fear, all that uncertainty, all that guilt. The forgiveness that probably he hasn't found for himself. Because he remembers being a heroin addict and beating up his wife and then her leaving him. And so he's sitting there uncertain whether or not to reach out. But in comes mother love and she goes, oh, I'm going to message him. So Tina messages, follows the feminine intuition, thank God, thank Father, Mother, Life for the feminine, because she listens to her heart, messages me. Now in that affirmation, there's no amount of intellect. I willingly bring my final fears to the light of oneness. See, there's no amount of intellect that I could have used to work out what I needed to heal. But that affirmation at its heart is about surrender. I also got to, he said to me, yeah, you've got a brother, you've got a sister, Damien and Jasmine. Well, your brother, Damien, he's, he, he owns a barber shop in the UK. He's on Facebook. So I could reach out to Damien and he's known about me for 15 years, 15 years. And now I reach out to him and he's like, brother, he's like all family. And he's, he's got three kids. His oldest son has got a child. Suddenly I've got nieces and nephews. I've got a grand nephew. I've got uncles. I've got cousins. Whereas before that point, I had just Emma and I, that was my, my, my birth, my natal family, me and my daughter. And suddenly this, this family is showing up and Damien is just teaching me about the unconditional love of family. But how beautiful is this? See, we didn't grow up as brother and brother. I'm his older brother. 
So we get that sibling love, but without the rivalry. And he's kind of a spiritual man. What a miracle. Would you not agree what a miracle that is? And yet there's no part of my intellectual mind that could have mastered that. And so, really, when you think about the father, Ernest Holmes, he said in The Science of Mind, man reenacts the nature of God. If we realize that God is triune and that man is made in the image and likeness of God, we shall see that the whole scheme of life and the whole nature of the divine being is reenacted through man. This, of course, does not mean that man is God. It means that in his small world of individual expression, his nature is identical with God's. This is what Jesus meant when he said, As the Father hath life within himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life within himself. And see, that cracked my heart open. Because what I realized was, I had a deeper understanding of what the Father actually is. And also what the mother is. You'll notice in the prayers I used father, mother, life rather than God. Not everyone is ready and healed with the idea of God because mankind has fraudulently used words like God through the ego mind, presented an image as if it's a dude up there in the sky, if it's punishing God, and they've not understand what God is. And yet what I know Jesus in the desert, what he realized was that God of many things, most centrally, is a parent father and mother the father is the activity it's the light it's the thinking it's the electricity the mother is the love it's the magnetism and that what happens is is that the mother love is about the attraction the bonding the repulsion the mother love is what brings order to chaos and when you think about the law of attraction what is actually happening, if you've heard of the law of attraction, which is central to these teachings, is that the thought is the electricity, that's the information, that's the intention. And the moment we have it, it's suppressed upon mother love. And what do you have? Electricity and magnetism. What do you have within that? You have electromagnetism. Electromagnetism, brothers and sisters, is the very essence of creation. It is that which underpins the laws of existence. You are formed of electromagnetism pulled together through a divine intelligence, through that part of you that is I am presence. You are royalty. You are a soul that is incarnated at this time on this planet. We are the only species in the universe that through our very DNA, we are plugged into what would be called the cosmic lattice, the structure that is love. The physics of love. We are plugged right into it. Our thought activates love. Our thoughts, our names, our lives are known across the universe. And you've incarnated at this time so that you might remember your power. You might remember that you will never be abandoned by the Father. For you are the Father in form. You will never be abandoned by Mother Love. For you are Mother Love in form that your very intention is the power, has the power that can birth galaxies, form stars, and all you have to do is claim it. But what do we do? We incarnate and forget. We forget for a very real and meaningful divine reason. 
we have an ego mind to learn how to translate. And so we wake up in that ego consciousness. And then we have these conditioning, these pillars of conditionings, education, media, politics, religion, and tribes that seek to convince us that we're separate. We have a collective ego mind, a collective karma that's unfolding. And we are being relentlessly bombarded with these messages of separation, of diminishment, as if somehow we are not royalty. And in the midst of our sleep, in the midst my journey of believing I was abandoned by the Father, we tell ourselves stories and those stories build. And the light that is the center of our being, the I am presence gets covered up and it gets smothered with the gunk and the shadow because our thoughts, our very thoughts are creative power that creates consciousness forms in our etheric body within our physical, emotional, and mental body. And before we know it, that central light gets covered up by the shadow. And when you think about vibrational frequency, scientifically that could be understood as the very spin of the electrons. The only difference between you and an ascended master is their electrons are spinning much faster. And so as you elevate your frequency, as you think thoughts of love and of light, as you say words of love and light, you know you're speaking the word of the divine, of the I am presence, when you are speaking love. When you're attacking, you are not speaking of the I am presence. When you are fear, you are now creating consciousness forms that are creating shadows within your body. So you engage in prayer, in affirmative prayer, in meditation, of journaling, learning these spiritual tools so that you can begin to surface because this magnetism, this law of attraction, like attracts like, as you raise your vibration, the shadow deep within gets surfaced so you can face it, you can forgive it, it gets dissolved because where there is the light, there is no shadow, and the next thing you know, your electrons are spinning faster, and suddenly you are now more in tune with your I am presence, and you feel yourself recognizing it around you everywhere you go, and you're seeing with the eyes of Christ. Because you are Christ consciousness informed. And this, beloved brothers and sisters, this is the point of the journey. And I will tell you this. If there's one thing that I've learned, this is not an intellectual endeavor. Science will not be able to explain the allness of electromagnetism because science hasn't even engaged in asking the question, what is the intelligence that allows a cell to accept the nutrients that it needs and then to eject the toxins that it has no use for? What is the intelligence? What is the impulse of being behind that? Science is not busy asking why. They're busy declaring the DNA, the Lord of your being. Not understanding what the DNA is because they think there's two strands. But the truth is, love is the power of the universe. You are in training to be a human angel. And my suggestion to you is, look at the stories that your ego mind is telling you. And ask yourself, How loved am I? Ask yourself, how can I look upon the world with more love? And sometimes it may be as simple as an affirmation, such as the one that I did. I willingly bring my final fears to the surface. And in so doing, without playing an intellectual game, I opened my heart to a healing. And let me tell you, my life will never be the same again. And so I leave you in light, in love, as life. Love and blessings.